Another Way to Play, episode 105. Here's the question that changed the game for us about five years ago. When you're sitting with the client, the first question, you know, after you build a rapport, hi, thanks, thanks for meeting with me, Hans. How can I bring you value today? And then shut up. The problem is we all like to, I like to hear the sound of my own voice too. But when you ask that question to a client or to anybody you're really speaking to, they'll give you the answer. Well, I'm here because I want to find my first home. Great. How would you like that process to be? What do you expect from me? Because now if I know what they expect from me, my job is to exceed those expectations or I'll never meet those expectations. I'm saying, you know what? I'm not the right person. This is Jazz Takar, founder of REC Canada and podcast host. And if you want to learn to make the next chapter of your life better than the last, then you should be listening to another way to play with my good friend, Hans Struzina. Welcome to another way to play. I'm your host, Hans Struzina, Olympic athlete turned top producing Bay Area realtor. I believe that your success or failure is determined by your ability to compete and win when it comes to your mindset. Twice a week, I talk with other high performers to share the lessons and inspiration that allowed them to blow the roof off their success. So get ready to have some fun, be inspired, and most importantly, learn the skills you need to win in your own life. Welcome to Another Way to Play. I'm your host, Hans Strazina. If you're new to the show, thanks for tuning in. Really appreciate having you here and giving me a shot to uh, add some value to you. If you've been listening for a while, you'll notice that we are changing up the format just a little bit and going to dive a bit deeper into mindset. Because as a lot of you know, one thing that's common amongst all the top performers I've brought on the show is mindset. So we are going to take a deeper dive in that world. The person that we're going to hear from today is Jazz Tacker. He's the leader of the REC team, which is the number one team in national Canadian brokerage Royal LePage and is the number three team by transaction units in the entire country of Canada. In this one, we talk about Jazz's upbringing, where he's come from starting his sales career and his business career as a paper boy, trying to get out there and get some paper routes going for him and some of his friends, led him through some uh, the banking industry into car sales and then ultimately to real estate. He then also is going to tell us about the mindset of how he creates over 20 pieces of content every single day and what that has done for his business and frankly how he got started because it did start with literally one piece uh, and then he grew it from there. And then we also get into his morning routine a little bit, which is really interesting. He has a bit of a different morning routine than anyone else that's ever been on the show, so you want to listen up for that towards the end as well. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. If you do get value out of this episode, which I'm sure you will, please head over to iTunes, leave a written rating and review because it helps me grow the show, the reach, and of course, give me feedback on the new structure and the content we're putting out. So thanks in advance for that. And without any further ado, let's go ahead and get into it. Jazz, welcome to the show, man. Really appreciate you being on today. Hans, man, I really, really appreciate you having me on and kudos to you for all the content that you're producing. Me being a content creator, I know how tough it is. Um, And so we need more people like you right now to uh, not only uh, uh, start producing content, but start spreading positivity and optimism. And that just means a lot, man. So uh, keep doing what you're doing. 
Dude, I appreciate that. That means a lot. Um, you know, especially coming from someone like you, who's got a pretty big platform and a, and a lot of success. So um, let's just get into your story and what you're doing. So tell us briefly before we dig in, um, you know, what is your another way to play? Look, for 2019, we became the number one team in Royal LePage, Canada, which is for your listeners right now, very similar to like KW. It's the largest real estate franchise in the country. Out of 22,000 realtors and teams, our, our team was number one. However, there's a much bigger, bigger objective that we're trying to get to, and that's to be number one in the country right across all brands. And so last mm. year, we did a little over 700 transactions. The, the team that we're chasing, and they're a great team. We know them very, very well. We're, we collaborate at times um, um, to just bring more value to the marketplace. But uh, we're probably about 320, 330 transactions away from being number one right across the country on uh, like right across all companies. So then there's no doubt who the number yeah. one. Well, man, I love that mindset you're bringing your and and I love the results that you're bringing as well. So uh, before we get further into that, I want to back up because behind every headline is an amazing story, right? And so let's back up and build the context of how you got to the point where you could be knocking on the door of the number one team in Canada. So where did your journey actually begin? My journey began as a you know, 12, 13-year-old, man. I got my first uh, paper route and I was addicted. I was hooked, knocking on doors and realizing that, oh, okay, so you get up in the morning, deliver papers, and if you're nice to people, they'll tip you. And that's when I realized the freedom I got with getting my own money. Like my parents gave as much as they could. And I, I'm a son of two immigrants from India. They did, father drove taxi his whole life. Mother was a factory worker, two older brothers. I always like to say having two older brothers is a healthy reminder that you're closer to the bottom than you are to the top. But <laughs> it's a nice to have for sure. They took care of me and protected me. But once I realized uh, having a paper route that I could also broker out some more routes because my friends were scared to ask, didn't know how to get a paper route, I started brokering them and making, mm. taking a little cut. While I was going to school, I was that kid, right? Like I could not sit down in class. I actually mm-hmm. loved school. Ons, I loved school. I didn't like class. Class kind of got yeah. in the way. Yeah, hooking up with girls and having fun and playing sports and so on and so forth. But I, but I knew that I'm going to be in the people business. I need to be around people. I loved sales and service. Got into a store where I started selling shoes. Um, went into the banking industry for a few years as a sales and service specialist on telephone banking. Picked up on some telephone skills. Uh, then I started selling cars. I met my first mentor um, who really took me underneath his wing. Uh, he had uh, a couple of sons and a couple of daughters, nephews that he obviously mentored in, into the family business, but took care of me like a son and just kind of showed me the ropes. And it was the number one uh, car dealer in Canada for like. Wow. Lexus, BMW, uh, uh, Porsche, and so on and so forth. And so I was there for about three years. Then I got into real estate, met a mentor. It's been 15 years and just never have looked back. It, we, we started off with no realtors, and now we're at 33 realtors and 10 support staff. And now there's no looking back. Man, that's incredible. So you're doing 700 deals with 33 people plus the yeah. support staff. That's in, yes. That seems like a pretty productive team, man. Like, I see how your progression kind of took you into that, into that world. Um, why real estate in the first place though? Like you, you were clearly in sales with cars and some other stuff. You could have gone a lot of in banking. You could have gone a lot of directions. Why real estate? 
I actually got into the real estate uh, business thinking that I'm going to become an investor. Like I wanted to become an mm -hmm. investor when once I got the books in the mail, the title on that book was how to become a registered salesperson. And I was like, whoa, okay, well, what the heck is this? Like I thought I was going to, I thought I was learning how to become an investor. As I went into the course, I was like, ah, I might as well do this. Now I paid the $1,400, $1,500 for that first course. And I decided to become a salesperson quickly learned that the course did not teach you anything on how to invest mm -hmm. in real estate. It was so you don't get sued when you're helping clients. Right. And, and because I had the background, as you mentioned, Hans, I was like, ah, you know what, I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a shot. I, I truly worked up the ladder of sales and service, right? I did the car sales, did the banking, uh, sorry, started off in shoe sales, banking, then car sales, the next evolution, it made sense, right? It made sense. Let's get to the biggest purchase that somebody would make in their lifetime. Generally speaking is going to be their home it's also going to be the biggest ticket right like from a commission yep. perspective and i think i hit the ceiling in car sales um because i was there for three years the managers were there for 14 15 16 years amazing people close friends of mine till this day they still buy and invest with me um however i saw what they were making and i was like well you know i just see more for myself i was 22 and a half 23 years old at that time and i just i also I, funny how life works. Within that time that I started in the first course, I sold four cars to real estate agents. And I started mm -hmm. to see credit applications. And some of these guys, like English must have been their third language. And I'm like, mm -hmm. well, I'm born and raised here. I'm, I'm not an English major by any means, but I can speak the language. I, yeah. got, I can connect with people. If they're making this, I, I could see myself doing well in this. Sure. I sold someone's house in the first 24 hours being licensed. Wow. And I said, I am going to be a gazillionaire. I didn't sell a house for four or five months later. I was going to say, when was the second one? Yeah. <laughs> so I got slapped real quick in this business. And just, you know, being the guy I am, I seeked out a mentor. I met a mentor uh, for a second time in my life. And uh, for 13 years, he was in the business at that time for 25 years, owned his own brokerage. Um, and for 13 years, he took me under his wing. He taught me everything there is to know about how to help somebody buy real estate, how to sell someone's home, and then how to work with investors. And that's something that we do. Like out of our 700 transactions, we do about um, 350 of those are with investors specifically. Oh, wow. And so for any of the real estate agents that are listening right now, the one tip I always like to give is find how you can get in front of investors because they're multiple, they invest multiple times in a year or if not at least every two years but you pick up on the peripheral business. So I'll sit down mm -hmm. with an investor Hans, and they'll say, well, Jazz, that's awesome. Great. Let's invest. But you know, my, my niece needs a condo and my sister-in-law needs to sell her home. Do you guys deal with that as well? And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, we deal with that as well. We, we help with what we call the regular real estate as well, right? Yep. First time home buyers, helping people smart size, meaning moving up and moving into smaller homes. So when you can cast a big net working with investors, you're going to be that much better off. Dude, I love that because that's something I talk about a lot too, just in general, like real estate agents get licensed, they get all this experience to make all these contacts in, the, in their industry, and then they focus on a commission. When if you opened up, and it's specifically like a first-time homebuyer commission or a downsizer commission, if you open yourself up and then work with investors or wait for it, 
be an investor yourself. You know, you can buy, you have the mentality, the skills, everything you need. It's weird in this industry. We get so focused on the commission and yet there's like all these other opportunities to use the same exact skills and license that you have uh, in order to make yourself just even more multifaceted. We call it having commission breath, right? It's how can I do a transaction? Right. Mm -hmm. And with myself, I sit down with a client. More importantly, I act on it every single day. I actually don't even see the client. The the client in front of me is not the only deal that I see. Mm -hmm. I see the 10 afterwards. And I sit down with the client and I tell them that I'm like, look, I'm going to peel back the curtains on my business development. It's quite basic. It's very elementary. I need to figure out how to reverse engineer the easiest process for you to either sell your home at the highest or find you the lowest, the best price on an investment property. And because if I do that, Mr. and Mrs. Client, are you more apt to introduce me to your friends and family? And I wait and I let them answer because some people say, no, I'll never introduce you. Great. I don't think we're going to be able to do business because my whole business model is set around white glove service and world-class service. If they're not willing to introduce me to people. I just know the lifetime value of the client is not going to be high. And so I got to make a decision right then and there. And most of the time I won't work with the client because I know like in the greater Toronto area, the market that I work in, there's about 6.6, 6.7 million people. If the one person doesn't work with me, that's okay. There's millions of others that will. And I generally, the objective I'm trying to hit is a thousand transactions. And so I need a thousand people a thousand people Mm -hmm. to like me and trust me out of 6.6 million. I like my chances. I love that mentality and that mindset. Cause you know, like I talked about, like you have to be willing to compete and win in between your ears. If you're going to be successful and do a thousand transactions and be the number one team in Canada, how did you develop that? Look, I think uh, some of it was just part of DNA. My mother, God bless her. She told me I was the most important person in the world. You know, Mm. she kissed me, loved me. When my parents were getting called into the school on a regular basis, my father never, like he didn't uh, uh, reprimand me that much. He said, son, you got to work hard. You got to figure this out. Look, it's obviously quite like it's, we all know you're not going to be a doctor, lawyer, an engineer, and that's okay, son. Just do what's going to make you happy, but I need you to try at what you're doing. If you're not going to just even try, I do have a problem with that. So, you know, I was able to kind of work myself through that. As I mentioned, I had two older brothers, you know, again, just having them around, I was able to bounce ideas. One of my brothers is 10 years older than I was. And so when he was 25 and having dinner with his friends, he would take me with him. So being 15, I'm listening to conversations that 25 year olds are happening when I was are having when I was 20 when I became 25 I was like it's almost like deja vu right like I was like mm-hmm, hey, I've mm-hmm. been through this I see what my friends are kind of going through I'm a big big proponent of shutting out the noise right mm-hmm. like really really getting quiet even getting into lockdown with the pandemic mm-hmm. I heard our prime minister say okay we're locking down and all these things are going to be closed I have never that was happened on March 15th Hans I have mm-hmm. not looked or heard anything else that the prime minister has said ever since because mm-hmm. I realized he's not going to pay my bills. Yep. He's not going to pay my bills. He's not going to take care of my family and he's not going to take care of my team. And so what I did for two days, I sat back and I just started to strategize. I knew that a, I need to shut out the, the external noise. 
of the mm-hmm. news and the media. Guys, anybody who's watching and listening right now, understand it's the media's job to sell newspapers and or clicks. It's yep. your job to decipher what goes on into your brain. Yep. Right. And so, and so what I de- decided really, really early during, like once we went into lockdown was I'm going to make the decision of understanding what's in my control. And what's in my control is what I'm going to do in the morning when I wake up and the culture I'm going to build around my team. First thing I did was build a virtual office. It really was a Zoom meeting. I mm-hmm. called it a virtual office to get right. a cool name. But it was a Zoom conference that was on from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. And I had two of them running that I would flip back and forth. One was for my core sales out of my 10 support staff, which is four of them. So myself and three other people. My second virtual office was with uh, my media squad. So we still produced content. Pre-COVID, it was 20 pieces of content on all across on all platforms. And during COVID, it was 20 pieces of content on all platforms. Nothing changed. Why? Because I decided that we're going to behave as closely as possible to what we do when we're actually in the office, which is me walking back and forth. I'm just going to do it virtually. I'm just going to come flip back and forth into these virtual meetings. And that was probably the biggest game changer for us because it was nice for everyone to see each other. Right. Even if it was virtually, it was nice for each of us to still see each other. If I got on a phone call physically in this office, now I'm kind of back in the studio slash office um, on a daily basis. But for 10 weeks, if I had to get on a phone call, I would just get on a phone call, get out of the Zoom meeting. After I get off the phone call, I would come back into the Zoom meeting. The same thing happens when we're physically together. If I have mm-hmm. to take a phone call, I step outside and, right. and the team does what they need to do within the office. And so for me, having that mindset was really since I was a young kid, right? Like, um, obviously, I, you can see I'm a son of immigrants. And so I grew up in an area that was predominantly uh, uh, people that were born here in the country. So was I, but the skin color wasn't the same. I got picked on. You get some thick skin. I'm, I'm, I'm born on, on the north part of the city within an area called Rexdale. You get a thick skin in that area, man. It was the mm-hmm. best, best thing that ever happened to me because um, when I was confronted with situations, I kind of already built up built up that power, that superpower, so to speak, of shutting out the noise. Man, that's that shutting out the noise thing is, is really, really incredible. Um, speaking of which, you've called yourself a content creator when you first got on the call, right? And you're putting out the podcast, you've got a monthly newsletter, you've got a ton of different stuff that you're working on, and you're trying and the YouTube and all that stuff, right? However, a lot of people get into content creation, right? And you have surely started there. People are thinking, dude, 28 pieces of content a day. I, what is this Gary V? Like, I don't know what to do with that. And there's a mentality around that kind of thing. And, and one of the things that I've been holding like you, it sounds like um, during this pandemic is becoming digitally based and physically enhanced. And I can't take credit for that. Gary Keller Williams, uh, coined that. However, it's resonated with me. And so I'm thinking for myself, like I need to be more digital. I need to be on YouTube and starting to put out better content with this podcast and yada, yada, right? For you, when you decided to start getting into that, um, I'm sure you didn't start out the gate with 20 pieces or maybe I'm, I'm assuming, but like talk to us about that mentality of actually getting started and then executing and then starting to build it to the level that it's at now. 
Yeah, just like anything else, right? You need to get started and then momentum will take over just like the snowball. I think a lot of people get stuck in uh, ready, aim, fire. I have a big Mm -hmm. sign here in my studio that says ready, fire, aim, because Mm -hmm. I just want to start pulling the trigger, firing, and then I'll figure out if I'm too high to the target, too low, over to the left or over to the right. But you'll never know if you're in paralysis by analysis, right? So Mm -hmm. get firing, just start firing. And then when I started with content, I wasn't sure where I was going to start, but I heard the word podcast. It was actually from Gary Vee. I heard the name Mm -hmm. podcast. I was like, what the heck is this thing? I Googled it. It's like, oh, you just speak into a mic and you record and then you for free, doesn't cost yep. you anything. There's softwares like Anchor and Libsyn that do all the heavy lifting for you, distribute it to the iTunes and the Spotify, and you can actually put out just the audio on YouTube with the blank screen, what I did for a while, like with one graphic. And that's where it all started for me. It was, it was the podcast that started the machine going because that was my macro mm-hmm high mm-hmm. level one 45 minute to one hour conversations I was having. And I knew, I knew that I wanted to do the podcast because I, I figured, okay, I can start interviewing people that I'm actually curious about what they're up to. Others will be a fly on the wall and whoever likes it will keep on listening. But it really was originally for my client base. It was for my clients to see me slightly different than everyone else in the market. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything wrong with door knocking, cold calling, bus shelters, but uh, signs on garbage right. cans and, and boil boards. There's nothing wrong with that. We all need to start somewhere. But for me, I wanted to do something that was fun and it didn't seem like work for me. Cold calling always felt the, it felt it felt like work for me. And I have agents in the office that I'm, the umbrella, sorry, that I'm under is known as Royal Page Signature. REC stands for Real Estate Center. My team is under that umbrella. There's 1,200 agents in this office, well, out of two offices. And they're always cold. You know, there's a lot of people cold calling at night. They got their pizza box and 7 p.m. Hey, Hans, you want to buy and sell a house? Nothing wrong with that. It wasn't me. I wasn't gonna. I wasn't gonna do that naturally. What I could do naturally is you could turn on a camera, you could turn on a mic, and I'm just gonna go. In fact, uh, first six, seven episodes, my co-host slash executive producer at that time, and now that, now she's kind of our director of sales and marketing, and she'll co-host. She had the questions on a piece of paper for me, and so I did that for six, seven times, and I was like, this doesn't feel right. Her name's Laura. I was like, Laura, this doesn't feel right. Like I need to just go off cuff. I'm I'm, I'm, if I'm sitting at a bar with Hans, I'm not going to say, Hans, give me one second. Let me take out my piece of paper. Okay, so what is your name? And th- 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 that's not who yeah. I am. You know, I, I wave my hand, hands a lot. I'm very energetic. I want people to, to see who I am. And I'm not going to wear a suit and tie because that's not who I am. I wear a T-shirt. Whoever connects with me, awesome. And whoever doesn't connect with me, awesome. Like that, we're not wasting anyone's time here. I'm not wasting their time. They're not wasting my time. And so you're right. It did not start off at 20 pieces of content. It started off with one. It was just one podcast. And I was like, oh, but you know what? I remember that there was a couple of times I said this, or the guest said this. Let's clip that out. And then I'll put that onto Instagram. I'll put that onto Facebook. 
oh, then I saw a software that takes the whole podcast for a third, for an hour podcast, hour long podcast. It's called Trint, T-R-I-N-T. You upload it. It spits you out the transcription of everything that was said. I was like, oh, I'll turn that into a blog. That's pretty easy. And so I got like five, seven pieces of content out of the one conversation. Then I, everything I do now, so fast forward to two years to now, everything is with the purpose of repurposing. Mm-hmm. Meaning that after we're done this, if Hans is nice enough, he'll lend me the recording. My team will listen to it. They'll pick up on a couple of things that was said. They'll image a couple of quotes, quotes that I mm-hmm. said. Like, you know, everything I did, the purpose of everything I'm doing now is to repurpose. That might be a yep. nice little quote overlay and then I'll write a caption on it. And then they'll right. take the video clip out of that. So I want people who are watching and listening is first figure out what you're naturally going to be good at. You don't need mm-hmm. to do a podcast. Not everyone is as good looking as Hans and looks that good on video. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> you get what I'm saying? I appreciate so, it. <laughs> so, or you might not be comfortable when the camera comes on or you don't like the sound of your own voice, but you're a fantastic writer. Because I can tell you I have trouble writing an email. Like I really do. Like Hans, you emailed me a little while ago just to confirm timing and so on and so forth. Right. And I was about to just press dial because I'm so, it's easier for me to pick up the phone and just call you. Yeah, I'm probably wasting a little bit more time, but it feels natural to me for me to write out something. Yeah, yeah. I got to think longer. The brain, the bandwidth that it takes up in my head is just not worth it. But I got people around me, wow, they can listen to this episode and they will write a book on it or at least Mm -hmm. half a book on what we spoke about. So ask yourself what you're naturally comfortable with and what you'll do with ease and then just start there. You will be surprised how many many opportunities you get yourself in front of because the question isn't, how do I get in front of opportunity? The realization is that opportunity is everywhere. You need to get in front of it, in the way of it. It's really fascinating from just sort of a perspective piece because I'm reading uh, one of Russell Brunson's books, uh, Traffic Secrets, right now. And he talks about this concept of um, traffic is out there, right? Like, People are on the internet clicking on stuff and signing up for stuff and unsubscribing from stuff all the time. So it's not like you have to create traffic per se, but what you do have to do is figure out how to get in front of it. And and that right there, that mentality of needing to get in front of something uh, that's already existing changes your whole perspective. And so then it's just like put your perspective out, put your personality out there, whatever is authentically you, just get it out there on video, write a blog, do something, and that will turn into hopefully then more pieces of content you can repurpose. And look, it starts out with the mindset, right? I think 80% of this whole game that we're in, which we call life is mindset. 20% of it is tactical, what I found anyways. And you know, I'm sure everybody has their own opinions on it. But for myself, it starts in the morning. I do two things every morning. A, I'm very grateful for the people in my life and for everything that I have in my life because I have way more than I thought I ever would. And so I'm very, very grateful. I'm grateful for myself. I wake up every morning. I kiss myself. I, I, like, I know I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. I make a lot of mistakes, but I keep on going. And so I'm thankful for myself, the resiliency. And then I ask myself the same question every single morning. I've been doing it for 22 years is how am I going to bring value to other people today? 
the coolest thing happens when you start off with gratefulness and you ask yourself that question. The brain will only now look for ways to make you more grateful and find answers to that questions. There's a part of our brain which is called the reticular activator system, the RAS. It will start to look for what you have in your life. And so it's, there's, there's, there's a reason when uh, women get pregnant, they see other pregnant women everywhere. They were there before, so your brain never looked for them. It's when you pick up that black Honda Accord with the new rims and tinted windows, and you think you're the only one who has it, you see 50 of them in a week. They were all there before. You're just picking up on it because the, the RAS got activated. And so what I like to do is start my day from that perspective. Start with gratefulness because now I know the brain's going to look for all these other reasons why Jazz should continue loving himself and all the people that love him. Mm. And then my brain's going to start to find ways that I can bring more value. I don't know how you and I got connected digitally. I mean, you're all the way in Oakland right now, and I'm in Toronto, Canada. You yeah. know, and so and so we got connected. Paths cross. We're just a ball of energy. Okay, there's all this energy happening. Our job is to get the polarity in the same direction, and that happens from here. Man, that that's a really fantastic perspective, and I and I love going back to the way that you go and you chat with your clients in the very beginning to decide if it's a good fit by saying. I want to provide enough value and a great experience, yada, yada, whatever verbiage you use to the point that you're going to refer me everyone that you've ever heard of, whoever even thinks about real estate, uh, you're going to think of my name and like then, well, aside from setting a stage with your clients and an expectation that's pretty high, you're going to then look for ways to provide value to your clients so that they're wowed and amazed and every person that ever says real estate, they're like, jazz is the man, you got to go talk. Yeah, look, I mean, and Hans, I mean, we take it a step further. Anybody who's listening and watching right now, here's the question that changed the game for us about five years ago. When you're sitting with the client, the first question, you know, after you build the rapport, hi, thanks. Thanks for meeting with me, Hans. How can I bring you value today? And then shut up. The problem is we all like to, I like to hear the sound of my own voice too. But when you ask that question to a client or to anybody you're really speaking to, They'll give you the answer. Well, I'm here because I want to find my first home. Great. How would you like that process to be? What do you expect from me? Because now if I know what they expect from me, my job is to exceed those expectations or I'll never meet those expectations. I'm saying, well, you know what? I'm not the right person for you. See, I think most salespeople, and this is coming from 25 years of sales and service experience. I suck at selling. I'm being honest with you. I'm not a salesperson. And that's just not a play on words. What I've really, really done here is I've made it really easy for people to buy. You see a sign behind me. It says removing friction. Yep. That's a reminder for everyone on our team, whoever comes into this office, is that our job is to remove the friction in the process of buying real estate or selling real estate or investing real estate to the best of our capability. Are some clients unreasonable? Yeah, but that's life. We deal with unreasonable people all the time. And if there's an unreasonable client, we can make the decision of not working with them. That's okay. Mm -hmm. I like firing clients. I don't mind if they fire me either. It's okay. Like life's too short for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, and so, but you'll only understand what you need to reverse engineer for someone if you ask the question and then listen. That listening thing, because, you know, we love the sound of our own voice and so do other people. And that's sort of the catch 22 of like when you're talking and they're not, especially if yeah. there's someone like you said, that's going to spend a whole bunch of money and hopefully get you a big commission at the end. That's going to be very well, time well spent. Um, 
Man, we could probably go on all day talking about this kind of stuff. And I really appreciate everything you've brought so far, but I want to respect the rest of your time and your day. Uh, So I am going to transition us into the Focus Five, which is the same five questions I ask every guest on every show. Are you ready? Awesome. I'm ready, man. First question, what book have you gifted most often? The Success Principles by Jack Canfield. If you could get an hour of somebody's time, past or present, live or dead, and ask as many questions as you wanted, who would that person be and why? Anthony Robbins, uh, because he was the first personal development coach I ever heard. And because I also made fun of him and made fun of anyone who listened to him when I was 16, 17 years old, watching infomercials coming home late at night, maybe a little uh, intoxicated, wondering who the heck would ever need to listen to, to this person. And then he changed the course of my life when I was 22 years old. What is one thing that you believe most people would disagree with you on? That the brain is the most underutilized muscle that we have. All right, dude, you got to go a little deeper on that one. Come on. <laughs> what are you looking for there? Well, what do, you, what do you mean by that? Like, can you just give us a, a little bit more? I don't think people realize the power of the brain. And, and scientists in general have only uh, understood about 13% of the capability. But everything starts with the mindset for me. And I think people just don't believe how much, how much you need to train the brain and what it will do for you. We spend more time training our bicep than we do our brain. A hundred percent agree. That's, that's awesome. You already talked about it a little bit, but give us a I got big biceps too, you, bro. you are working no, out. Man. We are working out. We could, <laughs> next time I'm in Toronto, I'll come out. We'll do a workout together. hundred <laughs> percent. I'll bring my boy Cheyenne. He loves to work out as well. <laughs> Perfect. Give us a glimpse of your morning routine. How do you like to start your day? Um, first thing in the morning, uh, I go right into the shower. Um, and that's where I do most of my thinking. It's a, a long 25 minute shower. I, I brush my teeth in the shower. I got a mirror in the shower. That's where I tell, that's where I, I do my kind of, uh, gratefulness to, you know, uh, remind myself what I'm grateful about. Ask that question. How am I going to bring uh, value to people today? Uh, I, if I get, a chance of my, my, I have a six-year-old and a four-year-old. If they're up, we're going to have a little bit of play time. But daddy usually leaves a little yeah, earlier than, than they get up. I take a drive into the office, which is about a 40-minute, 45-minute drive. And that's where I apply what I call NET, no extra time, N-E-T, um, because I, that's where I listen to a podcast or an audio book, get ready for the day. Um, and as I'm driving, I'm thinking through what needs to be done. I get into the office. First thing I do is write everything that on a list, on a piece of paper. I'm a big pen and paper guy. I don't have a computer. I haven't used a laptop in three, four years or any type of desktop. I use my phone. But the one thing I still do is pen and paper. Um, and I have whiteboards all, all around this office. And right away, I, I, I start putting down what needs to be done and who am I going to delegate it to. Awesome. Man, yes, this has been awesome, bro. Really appreciate your time. What is the best place online that we can connect with you? I just go to jazztacker.ca. That's J A S. T-A-K-H-A-R dot C-A. You'll see uh, 
you're essentially being jazz's world. And what I mean by that is it's uh, uh, the best and the easiest way to get to my a little over 110 podcast episodes, my blog. You can sign up for the new newsletter, which is called the Real Newsletter, R-E-E-L, Real Estate Entrepreneurship Leadership. Um, uh, you'll see all my animations there. It's all it's, it's a one-stop shop for all my content. Um, so it's jazzhackar.ca. Jazz, that's awesome. Really appreciate that. Uh, looking forward to it because I understand it. It's a relatively new site and it's and it looks awesome. I've, I've checked it out before this. Yeah, you guys really killed it. So um, guys, go over to jazztechart.ca. I'll drop that into the show notes. And then of course, if you want to get social, you can uh, start at the website and go to Instagram and all that other fun stuff. For sure. You'll see, yeah, you'll be able, it'll be really easy to get that. I appreciate the kind words about the website. It was about, you know, five, six months into production. Really took our time. There was no rush for me. Um, so I really wanted to make it very, very slick and user-friendly. Uh, but Hans, to you, man, I've done uh, approximately 30 uh, podcast episodes. I think this is 31 in the last 90 days during uh, the pandemic. And the questions that I usually get are very, very similar. You took me down a lot of different paths, man. And so excuse me again, kudos to for all the content you're doing, but a great job with the questions today. Thank you, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, thank you for your time. And we're going to sign it off for now, but I uh, really appreciate you coming all the way from Toronto, Canada. Um, guys, again, if you want to connect uh, down in the show notes, is a place to do that. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Thanks a lot. And that's it. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you want to connect with Jazz, it's jazztacker.ca. That's down in the show notes. All of his social profiles are available on the website, so go check it out. And if you want to connect with me, I'm linked up from Instagram to Facebook to YouTube, all that good stuff down in the show notes as well. Hit me up. Let me know what you like about the new format on the show, uh, who you'd like to get on and hear from a mindset perspective and how I can continue to provide value to you. So thanks in advance for that, you guys. And without any further ado, we're going to go ahead and sign it off. This is Hans Strazina, host of Another Way to Play. And remember to make every chapter better than the last.